Welcome to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz. This is really the show where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community. And we're returning after just a little bit of a hiatus, so we're thanking you for joining us again, or if you're just listening for the very first time, we're glad to have you here. And we should also say that we're coming from our new home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center. And the center is a collaborative space, really, where students and faculty from diverse areas of study, including music and film, to creative writing, digital media, are empowered to work together in new and exciting ways. Definitely a place to check out amazing things happening here. Amazing things happening on the show today, too. We are speaking to Rachel Friedman of Tenfold, and I kind of feel like... We're not old friends, but we're like close enough because I've heard you talk about the company before and I love your spirit. So thank you. Thank you for being with us That's today. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. So tell the, our audience a little bit about yourself, kind of where are you from and what exactly is it that you do? Well, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Yay, so, yay. Yay, yay. Oh, wait. Um, well, so I went to Michigan. <laughs> Did I just really do that to a Michigan grad? Yes. You were really kind to me about that. But I didn't say it. <laughs> Correct. You're very kind to me. Yeah. So you're from Columbus. So I'm from Columbus. I, uh, I graduated from Bexley High School, so we're right here in the hometown. Um, and then I did. I went off to school to the University of Michigan. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from their Art and Architecture program. And, uh, and I also have a graduate degree from the Ohio State University. So oh. I'm one of those, you know, tortured, conflicted people. Not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> could, I, could, we, could we term it hybrid? You're kind of a hybrid. Yes, I, and I, I that's like a to, nice way to put it. Yes. I, I like to say I can, you know, I can support whichever team that best benefits me in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very, very good point. You know, Tenfold is, is a really neat concept and what you guys have done. So... Tell me a little bit about that journey from the Ohio State University when you were there mm-hmm. to get that degree to kind of where you are now with Tenfold. Walk me through that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so when I started my career, I started as an interior designer, and I worked for a number of years, primarily focused on commercial environments, so the workplace. And um, through my career, I ended up working for Herman Miller, so if you're familiar with Herman Miller, they're the furniture innovator manufacturer located um, in northern Michigan, although I never relocated there. Um, so during that stint, I kind of traveled around and helped clients to realize how they could align their workplace strategy with their business strategy. And through that experience, I really discovered that my passion was really business more so than it was design, which was really? kind of a, an interesting realization for me. Um, so with that knowledge, um, while working full-time for Herman Miller, I decided to go back and get my MBA. And so um, I enrolled at Fisher College of Business and the executive MBA program. And upon completing that, um, what I found in the industry that I was still in was that um, we would help clients and create these amazing environments and they would be functionally appropriate and they would be aesthetically beautiful, but there was nothing about those environments that said who that client was. Um, there was nothing about the space that personalized it or told their brand or culture story. So I had my kind of my MBA background in marketing and strategy and my fine arts uh, and design background and kind of push those two things together to say, how can we create spaces 
that helped to tell those stories. Um, and so that's really where the business itself was born. Um, I created it under the umbrella of another company. And um, I like to say it was kind of, you know, tenfold itself was probably 22 years in the making because I decided to do this, you know, leaving a very secure and lucrative career. Taking um, the leap. Mm -hmm. Taking the leap 22 years into my career. I was divorced, three kids. Um, it was not necessarily the most ideal time to be doing this, but I felt um, really passionate about the work and really committed to it and had always wanted to have my own business. You are an innovator. That is what Tenfold does. And I can kind of s sit here and say that because of what you're doing with this concept. Are there a lot of other people doing this kind of thing out there? Or I feel like, you know, you were you on the, you know, cusp of all, you're right there. Yeah. We, we definitely feel like we're pioneering an industry um, where most of the time when we go to talk to a client, they have no idea what, what we're talking about. And it's, it's kind of difficult to visualize. So when we show them pictures and examples of our work, then they're able to understand what we're talking about and it clicks, it makes sense to them right away. And then they're like, well, you know, I want that, which is great. So we've been able to, um, create moments. What we say at Tenfold is that we help our clients reveal and reflect the magic of brand and culture. Um, and that's truly our mission. That's like a tweetable moment right there. I love that. I love that. Thank you. And we, um, we really, we do that primarily through two businesses at Tenfold. So back in January, we launched our culture consulting practice. So we actually have two lines of business. One is the, the culture practice, and then the other is the place practice. The culture practice really came out of um, sitting with leaders and executives um, in the planning process of branding their space and having this sense that there was a positive culture. Sometimes you come in and you can tell there's maybe a dysfunctional culture or an unhealthy culture. But in either case, um, it's very difficult to describe and articulate. So when a leader would say to me, oh, you know, our culture, it is, it's our secret sauce. I would say, that's, that's amazing. Tell me more because we want to be able to, to express that in this space and no one could ever describe it. And so I thought, well, I want to solve this. Yeah. this. This is an opportunity because it's so important. Um, and so we, we created a research methodology that allows us to um, uncover what is unique and special about the culture in ways that can be described with words. Wow. And we- you, you created the methodology to do this. We did. What we did was we built on some um, research methods that were being used in the brand world, very selectively though, very not very widely used. So we actually leverage a discipline of psychology called narratology. Narratology. Yes. I'll have to look that one up. Yes. And we actually partner with um, a couple PhDs who have studied this for years and years and years. Now they don't study it to apply it to, um, to corporate culture or even necessarily to brand. They study it for other reasons. We have, um, one PhD partner, um, Angus Fletcher, who's at the Ohio State University and, um, he uses it to help companies rewrite scripts. Well, I was going to say, is it the yeah. story your company tells? Is that kind of what we're Well, in, in his case, it's the entertainment industry. Okay. So it has absolutely nothing to do with brand. Yeah. But we've said that's really insightful, and that's, that's a way for us to uncover 
um, your needs and wants, desires, or, or, or um, the things that are in your subconscious that you can't necessarily describe when someone asks you a direct question. So we have research tools and instruments that allow people to suspend their rational filters and tell you stories or dreams that relate to and uncover what it is that you're really feeling on the inside. It's wow. fascinating. It sounds like it's it. It's fascinating. And so that's the culture side. So that's you the culture it. side, the culture practice. So we help clients create a culture narrative um, that they can actually use to describe, and then also a, um, a strategic plan. So through that process, we'll uncover um, opportunities for improvement. You know, we'll uncover, hey, these are things that you want to keep doing and keep saying, and mm -hmm. these are things that you want to stop doing <laughs> and stop saying. Um, and every company has opportunity to improve. And so leaders who really do subscribe to that, you know, Simon Sinek or whomever, culture eat strategy for breakfast, yes. that those are the, the leaders that understand what it is that we're doing and the power and the impact that it can have to their organization. So tell me about the other side. So the culture so, side is fairly new. Yes, culture and, side is new. And then mm -hmm. there's the place practice. And the place practice is really about leveraging space as a medium to communicate. So um, not too dissimilar, perhaps, from maybe a retail experience or a museum design experience. We leverage the space within the workplace to help clients express things like vision, values, history, mission, um, the things that they do, the things that inspire them. And the goal is truly to inspire people. So to brag on you guys a little bit to our listeners, Tenfold designed the cafe at ESPN. And I heard all about your experience at Columbus Startup Week. That is where we first met. But you also designed the Ohio State University's Office of International Affairs, Homage's headquarters here in Columbus. I mean... And, and the list is going to go on and we can dive into some of those, but how does your team approach each individual client because it is so individualized? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we engage in our creative process, which has a discover phase. And through that discover phase, um, we might do some, if we're engaged to do like deep research work, we'll actually do that. Um, but through our discover phase, we study everything about their brand and about their culture that we can um, sometimes those are things that are provided to us, but oftentimes we're out doing our own research. And what's really fascinating, and we also host a vision session with the client, which is a facilitated brainstorming process that takes about 90 minutes, um, where we walk them through and we, we solicit feedback from them throughout mm -hmm. that whole process. So it's a really creative and really um, collaborative process. But the one thing that I think that we find time and time again with our clients is that we're able to see, and I think this is our gift truly, is we're able to see the things in them that they might not even see in themselves. Sometimes it's the things that they take for granted that are great about their organization or that are provocative or that are interesting uh, or that are really unique. And sometimes it really takes um, our team's fresh eyes and creativity to say, that's really amazing. We love that story. That's a story that needs to be told. And so then we go to work brainstorming on how do we do that in a way that is so creative and so um, that gives someone that aha moment or those goosebump moments, which is what we talk about at Tempold all the time. How do we create a goosebump moment? And it happens, um, literally, we have clients who say to us, oh my gosh, that gives me goosebumps. <laughs> and then we're always like, yes, we got it. Or if we're in collaboration, and one of our designers is like, oh my God, that gives me goosebumps. Then we're like, that's it, that's it. And that's really, that's the sign for whether we've, we've been successful in creating an emotional connection. 
And that's really what we're after. We're, we're trying to create an emotion, emotional connection between people and place. So authentic. Really, really is. Thanks. For yeah. businesses and their audience, if you will, their client, patient, customer, whomever that is. Right. Talk about a goosebump moment. Um, the power of sports wall at ESPN. Yes. So it's this amazing story that really sends an incredible message, and it's based on the story of Lacey Hallsworth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and her hero, Michigan State basketball player. Yeah, Adrian, Adrian Payne. Payne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So speaking of a goosebump moment, what really prompted the creation of that specific space? Yeah, so that entire project was really dedicated to helping tell the story of what it's like to be on Team ESPN. So a day in the life of someone who actually works there. And so there were a lot of walls in that space that related to their charitable initiatives and company-based programs, including everything from their kids' care center, where they take care of children of their employees, to, um, to an area that talked about uh, their development of veterans and their support of veterans and veterans' families um, through their Heroes Work Here program. This particular wall, which was Power of Sports, was really about um, helping make that connection between those moments that happen in sports that transcend and go beyond the game. Those are the stories that make you cry and, and really kind of connect to our basic humanity, right? From one person to another. So the story of Lacey and Adrian was the perfect backdrop for that. This was a little girl who probably never would have met Adrian Payne um, other than for the fact that she was sick with cancer and mm -hmm. they met during a routine hospital visit and they struck up this amazing, beautiful friendship. And she went to every game and watched him play. And the picture that we picked for the backdrop of this wall was him holding her after they won the Big Ten, Big Ten Championship and they were cutting down the net together. And this was prior to the NCAA tournament. And shortly after the NCAA tournament, she passed away, mm -hmm. which was just heartbreaking. And um, and I remember when he was drafted, he kind of opened his suit jacket on his way up to the podium and he had her name embroidered inside of his suit coat. So again, just an amazing story. And it was very representative of the message that we were trying to convey with the wall. There's so many stories. I mean, to, to ESPN's credit, they, there's so much great they do in, in storytelling and showcasing the good, the power mm -hmm. of sports. For you to extract that in particular story and create a wall around it. I mean, what was that a part of discovery research? I mean, it's a great story. It's a fantastic story, yeah. but there, there are many like it. And I love that because that is part of the human experience. And we're so fortunate to have that as part of our experience, but how that story in particular, what just, how did it become what it became when there were so many to potentially choose to from? choose from? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, again, I think we just found that, um, Sometimes there are pictures that speak a thousand words and in finding the right moment that really truly represented kind of the, the, the heart of what they do try to accomplish with all of their different initiatives, with their different series that talk about the power of sports. Um, it was just the most heartwarming example. And an additional sort of unexpected goosebump moment for us was that when the cafe opened, um, there were people who, and this happens all the time with our work, which is a blast, they'll take pictures of everything they see, they blast it out to sh social media um, because it touched them, because they connected with it and they are proud of it and they want to share it with their family and friends. Well, one of the people who had seen that picture was Lacey's uncle. And then he ended up reposting um, and tagging Lacey's parents 
And within moments, we had this amazing social post from her parents with a, a really long paragraph about how meaningful it was to them that the memory of their daughter was, was living on and they were so grateful. And so, you know, it's those things you don't necessarily plan for, um, but you are shown that the work that you do has impact and meaning for people. And it's, it's really incredibly validating. Um, member of the chamber, and I, recently you were able to work with a number, another chamber member. You had a Huntington project, yes? Oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, because that's newer. Yeah, so yesterday morning we attended the community open house for Huntington's newest uh, facility, which is located on Cleveland Avenue. It's a, a little over 200,000 square feet. It's their new operations center called Huntington Gateway. Um, it's an amazing project in and of itself, regardless of the work that we did there, because they they really made an investment in a neighborhood that really needs it, and they repurposed an old Meyer store. So, which there are grocery stores in our community that do that. That yes. repurposing is really great when it happens. Yeah, in those. and so they transformed what was essentially a large almost warehouse feeling space into this incredible dynamic work environment. And they wanted to work with us to, again, sort of help them tell that story, not that specific story, but the story of Huntington and what makes their colleagues special. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of the unique things that we pulled out of that was like, we love the story of the Huntington pens. And I don't know if most people know, but right, right? Right. Like I'm sitting here saying yes. Yes. Yeah. Tell it. So most anyone who lives in this city and frankly in a lot of different cities um, is familiar with the green Huntington pens that you see absolutely everywhere. And the story really is that a number of years ago they decided that they weren't going to tether their pens to the tables within their branches on the you know annoying ball chain, which kind of sent that message that, you know, you're our customer, but maybe we don't really feel that close to you, or we don't want you to take our pen, you know, we don't trust you, or whatever that message was. And then they decided this was going to be a major promotional item for them. Well, you know, pens have been promotional items since the beginning of time. Seriously, yeah. They have taken this to a whole new level. I think they have sent, I think they've given away something like 24 million pens, and it's become a thing. So when people are like in Paris at a restaurant and they see a pen, Huntington pen, it becomes, you know, social media, you know, newsworthy. Oh, the, the pen selfies that the, you see yes. like in the middle of the Sahara. Right. In places like right. that. Yeah. Right. So we love the story so much. We created a really unique light fixture. Well, that's what I was curious. Like how did Tenfold <laughs> take it to the next level? Yes. So it's a symbol and one that we wanted to celebrate. And so... Um, People, most people know that uh, a major kind of message or slogan for them is, is welcome. And welcome means a lot to them about how they treat their customers and the relationships that they're building with their customers and the relationships that they're building with the community. Um, so we, we eliminated the word welcome and created a hanging fixture, a huge, huge hanging fixture in this space. And, and then hanging from the illuminated letters are about 4,300 Huntington pens. And they're almost like these, you know, green crystals that glow. And when you get close enough to it, you see that, oh my gosh, that's the Huntington pen. And they're all hanging on ball chains, <laughs> just as a little homage to the whole story. So, you know, we're going to have to get a picture of that, right? I've got one for you. Okay, good. I'm glad you do because I want to see that yeah. myself. Yeah. You know, you are, you're, 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 you're a member of the chamber, strong supporter. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned here, you had this 
you know, worked with another chamber member. What is chamber membership really meant to tenfold? I mean, I'm sure it's meant relationships like the one with Huntington, but, but tell me a little more yeah, about I that. Yeah, I think, you know, the reason that I joined the chamber was um, primarily because I felt so grateful to be building a business in the city of Columbus. And I think that anyone who has started a business in Columbus can relate to this. It is an incredibly um, warm and nurturing and supportive environment where if you reach out to anyone and ask for a meeting, for coffee, it happens to me all the time, um, people are really willing and open to help. Um, and I think that the chamber is, is just like that. The chamber is really vested in seeing the growth of its members and doing what it can to be that connector of people, um, connection to information, to resources, to other members, to opportunities, um, connections to understanding what's going on through our, our uh, legislation and, the, and government relations and all things that impact and affect businesses, both large and small in Columbus. So Tenfold started in 2014, is yep. that correct? How, I mean, how quickly, and you started it by yourself. Yes. And it's had amazing growth. How quickly did you become a chamber member? How important was that to you? I just recently, about a year ago, became a chamber member. Um, and I think that uh, it would have definitely benefited me more had I had I joined earlier. I think that you know part of this, and I hope part of this podcast too, is just to kind of get that word out. I'm not sure that I realized what resources were there for me and that it could really be something that could help me in my really early days of starting the business. Um, you're also certified as a women's business enterprise by mm -hmm. the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. We know it as WeBank in yes, the women's, we bank. yeah, WeBank in the women's world. Um, it's the nation's largest third-party certifier businesses, um, owned and operated, like I said, by women. It is. It can be a detailed process to go through. I have a lot of friends who've done it, but it's. But it sends a really good message too about, I think, diversity in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And as a women-owned business, how does Tenfold work to empower other businesses in this kind of same vein? Yeah. So we actually have a program called Brand Up at Tenfold. Um, we say it's not a handout or a hand up. It's a brand it's up. It's a brand up. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I felt really strongly about and still do, obviously, that is that when you start on your own, I mean, obviously we believe brand's really important and to have it done professionally is really expensive. And it typically is something that someone who's starting their business can't afford. And so what we decided is that we wanted to help fledgling entrepreneurs, people who were really early in the process of setting up their businesses and provide them a professionally designed brand from us. So we, um, we take on one brand up project at a time. So we have all, at all times we have one open project. Okay. Um, we've completed four so far since we started brand up and it's just, it's a pleasure for us to do. We feel like we're paying it forward. And the only thing we ask of the people who participate is that at some point in their career, in their business career, that they uh, do something nice for someone else. Um, I, I love that. Yeah. The pay it forward model. And, yeah. and yeah. Are, are you living in your passion? Are you living in your purpose 100%, right now? hundred percent. In fact, we just created a vision statement. So we have our mission, right? Reveal and reflect the magic of brand and culture. But we just finished our vision, which is to inspire humanity. And we inspire humanity to, powerful. to act with humanity. And we do that through our creativity. And we do that by creating moments that remind people that they're more alike than they are different. And I have to ask you, you know, because we were talking about, you know, women-owned business and you're a mom of three. Mm -hmm. 
and divorced. I mean, you, you have done this all. And I, I really, uh, a friend of mine said once, it's work-life integration, not work-life balance. Mm-hmm. How have you done that as a woman business owner, really, in terms of family and kind of bringing that all together? Yeah, well, work-life balance, or I've heard it called work-life counterbalance, because it's never 50-50. It's, I like that, too. It's a shift, right? It's Sometimes it's 80-20, and then if things get a little too out of whack, then you got to shift it back 80-20 the other direction. Yeah. Um, but we believe very strongly in that, so at tenfold... Um, we don't take on more than, than we can handle to maintain the, you know, our people going home at five, five thirty. I mean, it's, it's a really, um, manageable schedule. And we do that because we don't have any interest in burning people out and we know what the priorities are and what's most important. And that's, that's our families. In fact, we have, um, family photos in our space. Um, so we, we, I arrange for a professional photographer to take pictures of our families and that's my gift to them every year for the holidays. Mm -hmm. And then they get all the photos and they can use them for their holiday cards or for friends and family. But we take uh, a couple photos and we post, have those photos displayed in our office. And it reminds us all that, you know, we're really there holistically. You know, we come to work, we come with our whole family. I love that. So part of your culture, just see when you walk in and and just a reminder for you all. You guys have experienced just such growth given where you started with just you in 2014. You said how many people now? 13. 13 from just you in in 2014. And you A baker's dozen. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that a lot. For now. (laughs) Right. Because given that, you're going to continue to see this just Mm -hmm. because of the innovative thing that you do. And I I think, you know, there's a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that are going to be in in your seat where you were in 2014. So I wanted to ask you, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the one thing you wish you would have known when you first started out that you're kind of, or one piece of advice maybe that you're really embracing now and when it comes to growth? Yeah, I think that if you ask most entrepreneurs, and I'm part of a, a a peer advisory group with other owners of businesses. And it's generally speaking, it, it tends to always be about, okay, is it time? Is this the time to make an investment in growth? And how do you figure out when is the right time or how fast should I grow? Um, and everyone's different. So I will say that, you know, different people have different risk tolerances. I know entrepreneurs who have no problem, you know, going month to month you know, or maxing out credit. Um, and so everyone's different. And so I think that you have to get comfortable with what works for you and make those decisions on, on when to invest. I tend to make sure that I have a runway and, um, have that kind of banked, or I know what that forecast is truly going to be, um, before I pull the trigger on, on new hires. But, Pulling it's hard, and that's when you just have to kind of give yourself that little nudge to make the investment in people, primarily in our business, it's people. We don't really have a lot of capital investment, but um, investing in people, it's it's the only way that you can grow. And people bring so much to the table. And I think that one of the one of the tough, actually, this was something that was shared with me at one point that I think is really valuable and worth sharing is that um, what worked when you were three or four people breaks down in multiples of three, which was fascinating. In multiples yeah, of three. So when you were three, 
the systems and processes that you have to manage your business work. So when you're three, communication's easy, you're across the table, you're juggling different things, you're wearing multiple hats, um, you have a certain level of volume that you can manage. When you grow and you grow to nine people, you have to break it. You have to break your systems and processes. You have to rethink them because now that level of complexity is different. So the way that you communicated in the past might not be sufficient. The way that you managed projects in the past might not be sufficient. The way that you managed, you know, the books, the invoicing, you know, every single aspect of the functional side of the business breaks. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's important to know that it's not a failure, that it's going to break. It's supposed to break. And the key is how do you get in front of it and re-engineer it before it, you know, the wheels come off. So if you use that logic, then, you know, you would need to do that again when you're 27 people and so on and so on. That was really insightful to me because when, when I was told that, um, it was when we, we had just hired our ninth person and I was like, why isn't anything working? (laughs) And it was like, well, duh, it's not supposed to be working. We have to, we have to re-engineer this. And now five more from that. And then, I mean, Mm -hmm. you will hit this multiple of three at some point and it could be fairly quickly. So Rachel, let me ask you this, you know, how do you find the right talent? Because you you are in such an innovative space. How do you find the right talent to come in to create that next multiple of three? Like, what does that look like in the city of Columbus right now? We've been really fortunate in that um, people have noticed us in the creative um, environment. So we have a lot of creatives that reach out to us often. And I think that the reason why they do is because they have a feel for what our culture is like. Um, because we do really creative work, which is probably the number one driver. Um, so designers, they, that's their ultimate. They just, they want to do creative work. Um, but it's interesting. I think that when I was in a position to be hiring my first senior designer, which was in little, almost at the end of year one, or I think it was one, trying to remember, it's all a blur. (laughs) And, and I thought to myself, well, I, you know, who's going to work for me? Like, I didn't have an office at the time. I was, I was subletting space. Um, I didn't have health, health benefits. I didn't have a retirement program. I was like, I, I, how, who's going to want to work for Tenfold? And it was humbling. But what I learned is that people want to work for someone who has passion for what they do. And they want to be part of something um, that has purpose. And if you can articulate those things, you would be amazed at the talent that will start knocking on your door. It's incredible. When it comes to talent, kind of recruitment or or being able to network with other chamber members, I mean, is there a piece to that, like in terms of being able to hear about the right people, right opportunities, things like that? Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, there's so many members to the chamber and um, by contacting your connections within the organization, they make quick connections for you and can really refer you to a lot of different opportunities for employment. And I love, you know, this kind of by three is how it's a, it's good advice mm-hmm. of how we should change. But I have to ask, where did you get the name tenfold? Oh, it's you a know, good story. by three. And then I'm, I'm thinking tenfold. Yeah. You got to know before you go how you came up with tenfold. Yeah. So tenfold has, I, the way I described it, has kind of an external meaning and also an internal meaning. So the, the external message would be invest in your brand and culture. The, the return is tenfold. Tenfold. Very good. You got that. <laughs> um, so, and that makes sense. And it's truly what we believe. So we believe what people invest 
with us has a incredible and dramatic return. And we've had so many CEOs who have validated that for us, which has been terrific. Um, the internal message is uh, when I was working for another company and I had started this little business within the business and I was really busy managing other parts of the business that was taking up 90% of my time, but the little 10% of my time that I was super passionate about was this business. And so one year I was challenging myself on how to grow the business tenfold. So I was doing a little spreadsheet activity of, you know, what would the revenue need to look like? What would our investment need to look like? What are the expenses and so on? And it was kind of, you know, um, drawn out over a certain period of time. And that was the exercise. Um, when I was going through the exercise, that was kind of my aha moment of, I really want to do this full time. I'm really passionate about this. I really want to do this. And, um, and I want to do this for myself. So I saved the file and I named it tenfold only because that was the exercise. Literally. Literally, never thinking that that would be the name of the company. But I started on a process that year of thinking about how can I make this happen? How can I really do this? And then I went through an exhaustive search of what to name the business. And it was in front of my face the entire time. Right there in the yep. file. Yep. Right there on the, on the name of the file. Well, we hope that your business continues to grow tenfold. Thank you. And Rachel Friedman, we're so glad you spent some time with us yeah, today. Thank we you learned for having a lot. Me. I'm seriously like people, we want to get inside your head. Like we really, <laughs> really do. So well, thank come you. Come over and visit. You I can need listen. to. I want to see this like in action and, and definitely check out, you know, their website. It's, it's, you guys have some amazing showcasing on there of some of the brands that you've worked with Thanks. as well. We have some amazing projects in the queue. So uh, we're going to be doing some work in New York City with um, NBC Universal at 30 Rock, which is going to be really fun. Cannot yeah. wait to see that. So is yep. that in 2018? Yep. Yep. It I, will be in 2018. I love a little tease. So that's great. There you go. I left, <laughs> left the hook out for you. You did. Rachel <laughs> Friedman. Thanks so much. And we thank you for joining us. If, if you love the show and you know, we hope you do let us know by dropping your ratings and reviews. Five stars, of course, would be amazing. But honestly, it really helps people find our show when you review it. So we also read your feedback and value your ideas as we plan future shows. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for you, our listeners. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks so much again for joining us, and we will catch you next time. 